Join us for live sweats. Oh! Yes! Let's go, Kansas 80, That was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gudikin sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40 and he's Trista's height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashew. Well, tonight, P.J. Glasser's in for both. Nick Ashew here. Uh, 26-20 bucks over the heat right now. 49 seconds to go in the first quarter. Six points for you. Nick, all my friends are freaking out because Ohio State's at number six and Alabama's at number eight. I'm like, you morons. They don't play this weekend. It doesn't matter. And then my other dumb friend is like, oh, no, the committee actually implied that the winner of the Pac-12 title game is going to be in. So they didn't say that. If Oregon won, they'd be in. No, but they implied it. This is this is what we live with. I I can imagine your ridiculous co- your college football. Oh group my texts goodness! Ohio State's control. at six. We're in trouble. Oh my god, these people, Nick. <laughs> it's unreal. How are your bets looking in uh, in the NBA? Uh, right now, it's still very very early. And what I try to do is I don't get too worked up over the first quarter of any NBA game. That's that's my rule, that's my wise. friend. I've also got a bunch in the uh, Warriors. Kings later. So, oh, you know, that's right. There's there's quite there's quite got a that. few there. Only six points for Giannis. That, again, I, that was just part of a parlay. I hate taking unders with stars. Yep. But he really has struggled against Bam. And Adebayo's played great over the last nine games. Twenty plus points in nine straight games. Uh, this just felt. I took. I mean, it was under thirty two and a half. I boosted that number up and said, let's go under the highest number I can possibly get just to give myself a little extra leeway. But he's got six points. Uh, Bucks are you up 28-22. You got a 20-19 lead for the Nets right now over the Raptors. Boston already up 11, 31-20 over the Bulls after the first quarter. Told you, that's ending in a blowout. That's why I didn't touch any props in that. You just They're going to sit everybody. Clever. It's just it's just the best the best move is don't touch it. Uh, Atlanta's up 27-26 on the Cavs now as well. Only a couple days till Thursday night football. And we got a decent matchup. I, you know, you know what? what? It's I gotta, about damn time. I mean, be, if it's two straight weeks, although, you know the curse. Every, all these Thursday games, man, even when I we know. think it's good, think of what we've gotten. But as we talked about yesterday, at least these teams had a week, right? Because they both played on Thanksgiving. So it is Thursday, but at least it is a week for the Seahawks in Dallas. And let's just hope that we don't have another, you know, big-time injury to a player because that ba- ba- that Bengals-Ravens game, you could tell, was going to be really yes. good. It was going to be back and forth. I still Man. think the Bengals were going to win that game. And then Burrow gets hurt and obviously just takes the, the, the sale of that everything. But, yeah, man, it's a big game for Seattle. We talked about that schedule, and I know we're going to talk about it here coming up, but, I mean, at Dallas, at San Francisco, home against Philadelphia, you want to talk about a three-game stretch. Like, my goodness, winning one of those games is going to be a success. <laughs> All right, Michael Sean DeGar covers the Seahawks for the Athletic. He jumps on with us now. And let's start with one of those injuries that could have a major impact on this game. And Kenneth Walker, uh, I know he didn't go today. Do we have any idea? Have you heard anything in terms of what his likely status will become game time on Thursday? Yeah, first off, guys, thanks for having me. I love that your pre-recorded intro has a don't bet on the Wizards in it. That is such great advice. Here's the the problem, though, is that Ryan still bets on the Wizards all the time. We try to get him to stop doing it, and he still does it, and then he suffers all the time. But, you know, we we do the best we can to give advice. (laughs) Yeah, no, I I love that as just the blanket advice, just don't bet. (laughs) Stop betting on the Wizards. 
and in, in terms of injuries this week uh, with Ken Walker, I would be surprised uh, if he goes this week. You know, Pete Carroll is a generally optimistic guy. I mean, to the point that he called Abe Lucas's injury not an injury after it happened in week one, and then Abe hasn't played since, right? That's how optimistic that Pete is. He just said a guy wasn't even hurt. I mean, he hasn't played in two months now. Um, so <laughs> Pete on uh, uh, earlier today was just like, yeah, Ken's going into the Dallas game in question, which in Pete speak, that means this dude ain't playing. Um, so they'll go into this Dallas game without one of their more explosive weapons in Ken Walker. They have faith in Zach Charbonnet, and in terms of explosive runs and overall efficiency, Zach's been pretty decent. Um, that's on lower volume um, than he's had the last couple weeks with Ken out, so we'll see if he can continue that. But I would be very surprised if Ken plays. I would be very surprised if Abe Lucas, speaking of Abe, does not play. Like, I think he's going to go. I think he will start. Uh, I think they'll be. this will be the first time since week one that Seattle will have its two starting tackles with Charles Cross on the left and Abe Lucas on the right. I'm not sure how much of a difference that will make, um, but it will be good to have him out there. You know, most teams rely on pa- pass protection to win games against good opponents. Seattle hasn't had that in part because it's been down a tackle, so that'll be a big boost on Thursday night. I mean, what do you think, Gino? How effective do you expect him to be, Michael, on Thursday? Because obviously going against that Niners pass rush with that shoulder injury suffered against the Rams, it looked like he just clearly wasn't himself. And now he's going up against another great pass rush this week against Dallas. So especially if Walker, you know, if he's not playing, is this going to be a heavy dose of Charbonnet? Are they going to look to get creative in how they get JSN the ball and DK and how do you kind of see Seattle's game plan going with this pass rush that they're facing and with Geno's injury? Yeah, I think Geno's probably, he's feel, not probably, I know he's feeling better than he did going into that Thursday game. The Thursday game was tough. It was the worst case scenario. He got hurt on his throwing arm four days before they had to play or however many days it was before they had to play the 49ers. That's just, you know, suboptimal in every possible way. He couldn't practice all uh, of that week. Not to say that guys practiced that much anyway before a Thursday night game, but the quarterback at least throws. You know, he couldn't even throw. You know, I didn't, in all fairness, I didn't show up to the Thursday night game until right before kickoff because I was with my family on Thanksgiving, like a normal human, not a football obsessed crazy. <laughs> um, but I heard that Gino didn't even participate in pregame much. It's another red flag, man. You couldn't even just warm up. <laughs> that's that's a struggle, right? It, it, from what I've heard, he's been better this week. He's been able to throw and practice, and he's been fine going through normal routine. So that is good. How effective he will be against the Cowboys, though, that's tough, man, because Geno's had some good streaks of ball. Like, he's been able to actually move the ball against some teams quite a bit. Like, even when they've lost, he's thrown for 300-plus yards like he did against the Bengals a few weeks ago in a loss. Uh, and so – Beyond his like raw yardage total, what I'm looking for from Geno is can you be good situationally? The Seahawks are right there in third down numbers with teams like the Patriots and the Giants and the Jets. You don't want to be near them in any offensive numbers this year. Those teams stink. And the Seahawks are right there converting like 30-ish percent of the time. The Seahawks are not a good red zone team. Um, some of that falls on their quarterback as well. So um, I'm more concerned with how he looks in those situations. Like if it's third and goal from the seven, can you punch it in? Right? If it's third and eight backed up on your own 22 in the fourth quarter when you got to have it, can you make that throw that Deron Bland doesn't take to the house? Right? I do, don't have a good answer for whether he'll be able to deliver in those situations, um, but I think that's going to be the most important part for Seattle. Geno's got the arm strength to do it. He's healthy enough. He's fine. But really it's just can he be on the same page with his guys and then ultimately make the throw? 
Yeah, I think we know in the NFL, obviously, the most important thing is the health of your quarterback because you can't win without a good quarterback. Uh, as a Commanders fan, I've learned that for a very, very long time. Mike. I know <laughs> it's just it's suffer at, and every single year. But, you know, I, I look at this Seattle team, and let's put Geno Smith aside, and that, that really that offense aside, though, they what three touchdowns over the last four games is concerning. I, I look at something that really stands out to me, and it's their inability defensively to just get off the field. I mean, they're sixth worst in third down conversion rate or third down defensive rate right now. And I'm looking at a Cowboys team that has an offense that's starting to trend upward. I mean, Brandon Cooks is starting to get more involved. They're starting to figure out, I guess you got to get Tony Pollard more involved in this and get him in the end zone because you said you were going to run the ball more, Mike McCarthy. So you might as well do it. What concerns you the most about this Seattle team defensively against this Cowboys offense? Yeah, it's it, their inability to get off the field, and particularly late in games. Like, you, Commanders fan, right? You watched that game. Yep. The offense was moving the ball in that game, but, I mean, you saw. They had a couple fluky plays where Brian Robinson was just wide open, and that accounted for about 100 of Sam's, what, 300 or maybe 200-something yards going into the fourth quarter. And all of a sudden, the fourth quarter hits, and then Sam Howell was Aaron Rodgers, right? And he led a bunch of uh, scoring drives with that totaled, I think, like 150 yards on his final two drives and then threw like a 35-yard touchdown uh, to Diami Brown, and that tied the game. Like, And the same thing happened against the Rams in Week 11 for the Seahawks. They were really good for three and a half quarters, and all of a sudden Matthew Stafford just leads scoring drives of 74 and 75 yards um, for the Rams to take the lead. That's really, really concerning uh, that your team is getting worse as the game goes uh, defensively. And I, one thing that I can attribute that to is a lack of pass rush. You know, the Seahawks have Bue Mafe, their second-year edge rusher, who had a streak of seven games in a row with a sack. Unbelievable stuff. That streak got snapped against the Rams in Week 11, and he hasn't had a quarterback hit since sacking Sam Howell in Week 10. I mean, when you can't pressure the quarterback, you generally cannot get off the field, particularly on third down. So that's where I'm most concerned, uh, because the Seahawks have gotten to the point where, after losing in Chenonuosu, they traded for defensive tackle Leonard Williams from the Giants, which was a great move, that forced him to put 275-pound Draymond Jones at outside linebacker, which is, like, fine. He can do it. But when you're asking defensive tackles to now play edge rusher because you're not getting anything from a Frank Clark or a Derek Hall, some of those other guys you counted on when you lost Chenna, all right, well, where's the pass rush going to come from? And when you don't have any pass rush, anybody can throw on you. As a Commanders fan, you saw Sam Howell was just lighting it up. <laughs> he lights it up against pretty much everybody in terms of yardage, but he was really lighting the Seahawks up and looked like a franchise guy. So um, that's where I'm most concerned because with no pass rush, man, you can lose to guys like whatever dude's name is in the, with the Giants. Every time he plays, I think he's got a made-up name, and they just keep winning uh, up there because when you don't have a pass rush, a guy named DeVito can come and beat you. You know, So I, I'm really concerned about that for the Seahawks right now. If they don't get any pressure on Dak, it could be a long day uh, for their defense. Mike, I talked about it before we brought you on. The next three games, I mean, Dallas at San Francisco, home against Philadelphia. Of those three games, give me the one that you say is the least confident you are that Seattle wins that game, and then give me the one that you think they have the best chance of pulling off the upset. It's a good question. I've been thinking about this over the last um, week or so, kind of going into this stretch, because this is really a four-game stretch of Niners, Cowboys, Niners, Eagles. That's true. And that's yeah. about as tough as it as tough as it gets. And this just happens to be the year they also play the AFC North. They've got a healthy Joe Burrow. They, they're getting the Steelers later. They got the Ravens on the road, and then they had to face that, that Browns defense. Like Their schedule is pretty brutal. So um, I think if I had to pick one that they – I feel the most confident about, you know, most confident is like being the tallest short guy, right? Like I don't feel great about any of those games. <laughs> but um, I, I would say Dallas 
just because Dallas has the quarterback who like for he's he's very much like Josh Allen in that like he can be playing he can be on a heater. The best version of Dak is great. And then Dak will just do something and it'll be like, oh, now we're about to see Dak Prescott trending on Twitter. You know, because he just fumbled or just made some bad throw. Like you just you just see it. Either he does something or Mike McCarthy does something that has him trending on Twitter. The Cowboys get in their own way a little bit more than I would say the Niners in Philly. And if you're gonna beat a team that's better than you, you probably need some help from that other team in terms of getting in their own way. Where I'm the least confident is against the 49ers. Because I've been watching the Seahawks play the 49ers for the, since the 2022 season. They've played them four times. And not, by the fourth quarter, my story was halfway done each time. They just weren't close. They weren't competitive. Um, they had a lead going into halftime of the playoff game last year. And they ended up losing by like 20. That's really tough to do, you know, to be up and then just get boat raced like that. So I'm least the least confident in the Niners. It just seems like Kyle Shanahan has figured out a way to take everything that the Seahawks do well and just make them bad at it on that particular afternoon. So uh, I think the Seahawks have the, probably the best shot against Dallas because Dallas shoots itself in the foot a little bit more than some of these other good teams. And when they go to San Francisco next week, it feels like we could be in for another blowout because the Niners are just like, they're Thanos. He, the Niners are Thanos with all the Infinity Stones right now. When they're locked in, they're, they're tough to beat. Who do you feel like is the best team that you've seen? Because I think most people would agree that the Niners and the Ravens might be the two best teams. You've seen Seattle play both of them. So when you watched them against both of those teams, who did you walk away saying that that team was better? That's a good question. I would give a slight lean um, to, to the Ravens. I think that both of the coordinators on the Ravens side are really locked in. Not to say that they're not in the, the Niners, but you can really see it, particularly with that Ravens defense. They are so multiple and they just find new ways to generate pass rush. Cause you look at the, the Ravens and you're not like when the Niners pass rush, right? It's great. They have Bosa, they got Armstead, they got Chase Young now. You're like, oh, that makes sense why they're bringing the heat. And you go look at the Ravens roster and you got a couple cats with Nigerian names and then Jadavian Clowney and then one of the defensive tackles is killing it. And you're just like, wow, how are they leading the league in sacks? And then you watch their games and you're like, wow, because the pressure is not just coming from the front. I mean, look at how they closed that game against the Chargers. They brought a nickel off the edge and dropped Michael Pierce, a defensive tackle, yeah. into the, the blitz window. Herbert didn't know what to do and got wrecked on fourth and six. That is what the Ravens can do to you. You think you've got Clowney covered. You think you've got number 99 for them covered. And the next thing you know, here comes Kyle Hamilton, you know, or here comes Geno Stone. You know, they're just so multiple on defense. And I just think when you can generate quarterback pressure and you're not relying on one dude to just win every week, you're not relying on one defensive tackle to win his matchup with a guard or a center. You can bring corners and nickels and Patrick Queens and Roquan Smith and you're just bringing the heat. I think that kind of tilts the, the scale a little bit in favor of the Ravens because I think both offenses are great. They can run the ball. They can protect. Their quarterbacks are really dynamic in different ways. Play callers are really good on both teams. But I think when I watch that Ravens defense, I am watching a different animal. And they, they make good teams look bad. They make good offenses look like they don't know what they're doing. And we just saw it um, on Sunday night against the Chargers. Yeah, and to have a healthy Lamar Jackson down the stretch for a change will really give us finally a chance to see what this Ravens team can do when everything's put together. Michael, Sean DeGar of The Athletic, great stuff, man. Really appreciate you coming on with us. Thanks, Mike. Thank you for having me. Stop betting on the Wizards. Yeah, there you go. Never bet on the Wizards, man, ever. I love advice. it. It's becoming a thing. <laughs> this is the best thing we could have put in that open. Meanwhile, Ryan's probably at home, still sick, but betting on the Wizards. They're not playing tonight, but, you know, that's usually how it goes. CPJ, feel good about your Ravens, man. Love Stop it. being so damn jaded. Bet MGM tonight.